Welcome to Bedtime Story Adventure 2019. One chapter a day up until Christmas. Boys, are you ready? Yeah. Chapter 13. The Remedy. The good weather continued into Thursday, but even the cold, clear, crisp winter air did not improve Jenny's mood, nor did the thought of getting the Squiduckin key back from number eight. She was feeling sorry for herself as she hobbled through the school building. Her ankle didn't feel any better at all. Even though the doctor had told her that it would take weeks to heal, she had kept a tiny hope alive that she'd get better for the royal dance. But that hope was fading fast. And she wasn't completely over, finding out that her best friend had betrayed her and lost the Squiduckin key. She had arrived early, her mum dropped her off at the gate on the way to work. It was better than getting the bus, even if it meant that she had to hang around a while for the school day to start. So she slowly crutched her way through to the dance studio, trying not to think about her ankle. To her surprise, James was already there, and he looked pleased to see her. Hi, she said. You're in early. I spoke to the raven, he said, but she wasn't interested. That wasn't the reason for his early appearance. Jenny waited patiently while James rummaged in his bag. He definitely seemed excited about something. Look at these, he said, holding out a jar of some weird brown paste and a couple of hideous-looking pills. What are they? she said. Oh, no. You didn't visit the... Priestess, James said. It was fine. Like an annual checkup for my... you know. I told you I didn't need her help, Jenny said. It was dangerous to go to her. It wasn't really so bad, he said. I took her a pizza. She was okay. I don't think she'd even want to eat me. Not with my, you know. And he was probably right, but it was still a risk. And I'm not saying that I wasn't a bit scared, he said, but I wanted to help you. And she said these would work. Jenny leant a crutch against the door and took the bottle and the pills. She looked down at the brown stuff suspiciously. It could be poison, she said. Why would the priestess want to poison you? James reasoned. She saved my life, and could have killed me yesterday if she'd really wanted to. It was true, James was right, but the pills looked horrific. I'm really supposed to take these, Jenny said, holding them up. She said to take the pills and rub some of the brown stuff on your ankle. Simple enough. Jenny wanted to say no, that it was a stupid idea. But she also wanted to get back at number eight, and the chance of being able to dance at the royal performance was very appealing. It was early enough that the corridor was deserted. Still, she didn't want to be disturbed. Let's go inside, she said. They sat down on a stack of gym mats in the corner of the dance studio. James took out a water bottle. Jenny fiddled with the plastic cast's straps. It felt good to get it off even though she'd only been wearing it since breakfast. Pills first, James said. They rolled around in Jenny's hand, strange-looking spheres, not like normal tablets, more like horse medicine. Of all of the stupid things that children can do, taking weird pills is almost at the top of the list. Don't run across the railway tracks. Never give out personal details on the internet. Don't wander off with strangers. Jenny knew them all and why they were important. And now, 
Was she really going to take pills prescribed by a possibly insane badger? What if they were poisonous? What if the priestess gave her the wrong ones accidentally? She looked at James and made her decision. It wasn't the way he was looking at her, or the fact that he wanted to do something nice for her. It was simply the fact that he was alive, and that was all down to the priestess. Before she could second-guess herself, she popped both pills into her mouth and swigged the water and swallowed hard. If the pills had a flavour, she couldn't taste it. What she noticed almost immediately was that her ankle stopped aching so badly. Or perhaps that was just in her mind. And now the paste, James said. This was not going to be so pleasant. Her ankle was bruised, swollen and very sore. Just touching the skin was extremely painful. She opened the jar and scooped out some of the brown paste with a finger. It was strange stuff. She could see it on her finger, but could hardly feel it was there. It wasn't cold or warm or wet or dry. She simply couldn't feel it at all. She tentatively touched it onto the skin near the big bruise, on a yellowed edge, away from the most painful dark purple area. To her surprise, it didn't hurt at all. She scooped some more and gradually rubbed closer and closer to the worst part, and still nothing. I think the pills were some kind of painkiller, she said. I can't feel this at all. Once she had covered the whole bruised area, she put the top back on the jar. How long should we wait? she asked. I don't know, James said. The priestess just said it would work. Hey, look! The darker part of the bruise was looking yellower. She was sure it was. She tried a tentative toe twitch, something that had hurt terribly that morning when she was putting her trousers on. Nothing. I think it's working, she said. I can't believe it. Try standing on it, James said. That bruise is almost gone. She swung the leg around and put it carefully on the wooden floor. Rather than standing, she just pushed down gently, bracing herself for the shooting pain from the damaged ligament. It felt fine. She pushed harder, and there was no pain at all. James stood and held out his hand to help her up. She took it and pulled gently. Whoa, James said, almost falling on top of her. Don't yank. I didn't, Jenny said. I was taking it easy. James stepped away and braced himself. Try again. I'm ready now. She pulled again, this time as delicately as she could. James let out a grunt as she stood up. The foot felt absolutely fine. Better than fine. Her whole body felt amazing. She let go of his hand. What is it? James said. Are you okay? I feel great, she said, and twirled on the spot. It worked. She tried a few other dance moves, a couple of jumps and kicks. Even landing on the bad ankle felt fine. She looked at James. He was shaking his head in disbelief. It definitely worked, he said. I wonder... Try one of those moves where you throw your partner in the air. She looked sceptical. What? On you? Yeah. He held out his arms like a toddler that wanted to be picked up. Don't be silly, she said. You're far too heavy. You should be throwing me. Hey, don't be fattest, he said with a wry smile. I said I'd start doing some more exercise after Christmas, didn't I? Just try it anyway. Jenny shook her head and walked over to him. Bend your knees and push up on three, she said putting her hands under his arms. James sank into them. One, two, three. 
The timing wasn't perfect. She moved too fast, or perhaps James didn't jump in time. But it didn't matter. The result was incredible. James made a little whelping noise as he was flung into the air and landed in a heap on the yoga mats. Oh, James, are you okay? He picked himself up and had a huge grin on his face. I think those pills are not just an anaesthetic. They've given you some extra power, too. There was no time to do more experiments, as the doors to the studio opened and the dance teacher came in. What are you two doing in? she started, and then she saw it was Jenny and saw the plastic cast on the floor. How's your foot? Jenny gave a twirl. It's feeling much better, she said happily. Oh, that's wonderful news, the teacher said. Do you think you'll be able to dance on Saturday? I don't see why not, Jenny said. Then the teacher noticed James. School's started. Off to class. He gathered his things. See you at break. They had to wait until lunch before they could meet up again. James, Wilf and Fred were waiting for her at table tennis. They were knocking a ball around, Wilf versus the other two. He seemed to be holding his own against the two older boys. Hugo and a girl called Millie wandered in and stood next to Jenny. There really wasn't very much time to get everything sorted. The match starts at 4pm, Jenny said. The team will be travelling by minibus right after school. We can take the normal bus, James said. It should get us there about the same time. How many have we got? Millie said that she and her sister Jo were going with their mum, and some cousins were visiting them from the US and would be there too. Edison and Wayland, Millie said. They'll be useful. Always good to have to show the foreign cousins our strange British ways. And Mr E, that's Edison, is always getting into trouble, so it wouldn't be strange if he wandered off during the match. That's good. Wilf, James said, who have you spoken to? I can pick my brother up on the way, he said. I think another year four kid, Daniel, was coming to ours with Laurie, so he'll be with us. And I persuaded a few of the old gang to come along. Said it would be the match of the century. So Frank and Arlo will be there. They love football. I'm not sure about match of the century, Jenny said, but it will be a battle. We'll have to split into two groups, she continued. One to search for the key and the quill, and one to keep people busy at the match, in case we need more time. Hugo can be in charge of the match group. I'm not really a football fan, Hugo said flatly. Jenny ignored him and went on. The other group has to sneak into the most exclusive private girls' school in the country, and if they get caught could be in some serious trouble. Count me in, Fred and Wilf said at the same time. Jinx! Count me out, Hugo said. I'll stick with the football. I better not have to play, though. It's the girls' league final game, Jenny said. There's no chance of you even touching the ball. The main objectives were to keep everyone distracted by the match and find where number eight had hidden the stolen items. Jenny had found a room plan of the school in an old prospectus in the Patcham Library. She pointed out where the dorms, the boarders' bedrooms, were. What if she doesn't have them in her room? Wilf asked. She could have put them anywhere. I think she'll keep them close, Jenny said. She's a boarder, so the two places she can control are her bedroom and her school bag. Lunch was over. The children had to go to their next lessons. Jenny only had to go to half of science. Even though she was officially injured, she was still on the team and had a pass to leave early and get ready for the football match. She hadn't intended to play football when she'd come in that morning, but had brought her shirt in anyway to wear on the sideline. The only thing she didn't have was shorts and boots, but there should be some spares in lost property. 
Half the team was in the changing room already when she walked in. They were getting changed, silent and serious. Hi, Jenny, the captain said. Good of you to join us. We'll need your voice on the sideline. Well, Jenny said, suddenly slightly embarrassed as the rest of the girls looked at her. She held up her foot. Turns out that it wasn't such a bad sprain after all. I'm ready to play. She looked at the puzzled faces around her. If you still want me, that is. Are you serious? We can't win without you, the captain said. But I can't let you play with an injury. It wouldn't do you any good. Just taking your plastic casting off doesn't mean you're fit to play. No, really, Jenny said with a big grin. I'm feeling great. The girls looked sceptical. Jenny put her bag down and hopped up and down on her left foot. A couple of the girls winced as she did it. Really, she said as she hopped. I'm fine. No one said anything. She stopped hopping and sighed, balancing on the bad leg. Go on then. Could I do this with a torn ligament? Still on one leg, she swung her good leg up, sprang lightly off her left foot, did a backflip, and landed softly on the bad foot. See? Wow, said the captain, clapping her hand slowly. I guess you are ready to play. The rest of the girls joined in the applause. So what's the plan? asked Jenny. They huddled together and decided how they could best defeat the Rodine team. By the time they were sitting in the minibus, Jenny realised she was actually quite looking forward to meeting number eight on the pitch again. It was time, she decided, to get her own back.